ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast, episode two, five, zero. 250, baby. Ooh. I didn't even I didn't even know until we sat down to do this that it was 250. Bitches can't get enough of my stuff. Wow. I no, mean... you're not here. You go away, please. <laughs> he'll never go away and he'll never die because he's always going to be immortalized as part of our of our beloved soundboard that we everyone everyone unequivocally loves so so much people want the sauce hashtag yes. voice sauce is still alive <laughs> even though you haven't heard him on the main show in like three fucking months and and also spoiler alert ladies and gentlemen we hate to break your hearts but shaved the beard he did and the funniest thing ever God Nick, not anymore f- no he's not Dude, the first thing I saw when he did his top 10 books, movies, and music Halloween video that he did for our YouTube channel, the first comment was from Jared Taylor, and he was like, who's this guy? You're a 12-year-old kid, or something like that. I just had to fucking laugh so hard at that. I'm like, yeah, someone, because dude, I told you when he came over here, last time we recorded, I told you he had the mask on, his COVID mask, and I was like, why are you still wearing your mask, dude? Usually you take it off by now. And when he took it off, he's like, I shaved. And I gave him hell for that, and he's still shaving it, which means that he's going to keep himself clean shaved again. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, go find him on social media. He's on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Go on Twitter. Go scream at him and bitch at him and tell him to hashtag bring back. (laughs) I I call it a goatee. It looks like a Pierre goatee, what he had at the end there. Just fit him so perfectly, and he ruined it, goddammit, by shaving it off. Is it our fault? Did we not? We should have bought him the rest of the Three Musketeers Ensemble. So that way he could dress like in that giant hat with the feather sticking out of it and have the little fencing sword and everything with the tunic. Like, did we fail him in this regard? Is that what I'm asking? I don't know if we failed him or not. No, no. I think we fully enforced the love of the facial hair every single fucking That's episode. That's a lot of cum. And it's his own for fault for hair. ignoring it. I mean, hey, he says he wants love in life. We gave him love. Our fans, our listeners gave the facial hair love and he still removed it like he didn't give a shit. That shows how much he cares, but it's okay. We still love you, Loisos. Just please think about growing it back for your own sake and ours. I got a little dick. It's pathetic. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but yes, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very, I mean, we're not doing anything to celebrate it other than mentioning it here at the top of the episode. 250 episodes of the epic film guys podcast been rocking since july 2015 we've had our different uh hiatus is that a plural of hiatus i don't know whatever you're the english major not me so i'd have to ask you that question (laughs) i don't know i I really don't know but uh hiatus that's what we're calling it uh we've had a number of different uh including this time last year when i was going through my my separation from my marriage and everything so you know we've had we've had our we've had our ups and downs and everything but uh we we love you ladies and gentlemen we absolutely love all of you out there who have supported us who have stuck with us who have been listeners supporters patrons especially uh, of the show through thick and thin uh those of you who have been there you know the entire time uh just know you know we absolutely love you you have a very special place in our hearts he said that he sucked the blood from the penis with the balls in his mouth why what does that have to do with balls in the mouth because tradition, Nick, I feel it's like true. it's expected at this point, you know, 
It is. I'm Liz surprised was on the that... show on Monday, and and I did have to explain to Liz that 95 percent of the sound drops on the soundboard are in some way or another related to dicks. You sucked his the male dick. genitalia. Yeah, I mean it's it's been a common theme on the Epic Film Guys podcast ever since the beginning. And listen, I mean uh, even the ones that aren't technically about the male genitalia, if you think about it, like sort of, they still sort of are. Are you almost always are let's get nuts i mean let's get nuts i mean you know you take that in that efg context and yeah yeah. you know what you're thinking about Mm -hmm. what comes to mind yep they're salty Sway yeah. testicles, ladies and gentlemen. But mm-hmm. uh, we are here uh, today. We're going to talk about, uh, and we missed it. It was back in September, whenever the hell it September was. September 19th, to be exact. Somewhere back there. Uh, the 30th anniversary, uh, Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that tonight. Uh, and we are also going to be talking about the passing of an absolute rock icon. But before we get to that, before we get to that, Justin, it is the month of October. And uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right if we didn't take a moment here on the show to acknowledge the EFG, the Epic Film Guys, thirty one day horror challenge, <laughs> which I refused to participate in this year because I said I said fuck it. <laughs> well, I mean, you basically said that every other year. And you say you're going to do it, and you might pop in with a couple of movies, usually movies we're going to be talking about with other podcasts, crossovers and such, but you still pretended to try, which I appreciated. At least this year, I think I appreciate it even more, you just being frank with everybody and saying, I don't care, and just doing your own thing. Can't do it. And letting us horror lovers, letting us lovers of pumpkin pie and pump motherfucking king beer which by the way i haven't had one yet damn beer is pump king i have not had any pump king or actually a single pumpkin beer so far this year mind you Uh, but all of us that love the spooky season we're all talking about the movies we're watching and this year we're up to 15 movies you've never seen just 15 horror movies you've never seen that yes your brother asked on our facebook by the way nick Yes, they can be just Halloween-related movies. They don't have to be people getting their heads chopped off and children getting, you know, maimed and killed and run over by fucking lawnmowers and such. So you're saying not Loy Sauce approved, then? I want to see kid get strangled. You heard it. Probably him. not. You, yeah, heard, you heard it first from him. There it is. But um, yeah, man, a lot of people, awesome people are checking in. A lot of our awesome followers that continue year by year just jumping in with watching their favorite horror movies and new movies of the like and uh just got to thank each and every one of you guys can i for being a part of it can i one special shout out here sure sure one one but does Corey wade literally treat the other 11 months of the year like he's just edging he's just like slowly rubbing that cock and then in the month of october he's just spewing all month Dude. long he's up what is he up to already like as of recording day which is the 6th of october he's up to what like 17 movies or something i saw that is correct what and the i actually fuck? i had to remind him because he's been a longtime follower and supporter of the epic what film guys podcast and i mean we've been instagram friends for a long time and dude watches movies Every single day. You and I were talking, you know, pre-recording tonight and how hard we've had time, like trying to find time for movies lately. And one of us for sure. Make sure watching 
movies every single day. I'm looking at his Instagram story. So dude is a professional. I always want him to be a part of the challenge because he went, he ups the ante. Everyone else wants to try to beat him. And I didn't see him in there. And I saw him comment on my teaser post on the Facebook. Like, I can't wait. And I was like, dude, where are you at? Everyone's waiting for you. And he's like, oh, I thought it was only new movies this year. I said, no, everything. So then he jumped in to catch up. No one's going to be able to catch this trail. I think <laughs> Drew Hallam might be the only possibility. But Hashtag at this point, for that's Drew. it. Drew Hallam, Drew, Drew always does a great job. Jared does a great job every year. We've got a lot of horror fans that really do a great job. And that's, you know, that's the best I can do really is to stay out of you guys' way. Just stay out of your way. I watched Nosferatu at some point this month, and that's probably about as much horror as I'm going to watch for the month. I just, it's not what I'm passionate about. It's not what I'm interested in. I'll let you guys, I, you guys have, you guys do your thing. You guys enjoy your horror stuff because I know you love it. I know Justin absolutely dies for this stuff literally over and over stabbed. Just the knife digging in the blood spurting and spraying out the brains exploding everywhere. Upon the release of this episode that day, I'll be at Mahoning Drive-In Theater once again for Freddy Fest 2. Hopefully meeting Mark Patton, who... uh, Myself and Loisos reviewed his brand new documentary, Scream Queen, earlier in the year, and I'll be watching A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master. Uh, that's what I'll be doing on the actual release date of this episode. My one last hurrah, if you will, since uh, theaters just aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's no Dismember the Elevo this year for me to help host or anything, so we all got to make do with what's in our hands, what's available to us, ladies and gentlemen. But we, Again, what Nick was saying we love you so much for being a part of the Epic Film Guys 31 Day Horror Challenge and just for championing us and How all of our content. Um, more horror content is on the way for this month. Be sure to be prepared for more blood. More blood, more slashing. We are still, we, we do still plan on doing our Never Seen It November Challenge as well, which is always our good follow-up to Horror Month, which is 10 movies you've never seen before. Now, that'll be tougher for this uh, this year for some of you because you won't be able to include new theatrical releases as part of that list because there are none because literally everything theaters tenant tenant was was forced into a situation where it was forced to fail. There was no way it could succeed under the conditions in which it was released. Mulan was released digitally for an obscene $30 price point, and that failed. So everything under the sun that was getting postponed until later this year is now getting punted to sometime-ish next year. Or the year after. Or the year after. Yeah. Uh, 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 How did I feel earlier when I was like, oh, yeah, Dune's just going to jump to October 2021 then i was like oh wait a minute that automatically means the batman and then two seconds later oh the batman yep. 2022 yep. and i okay you know what? some of you out there have been able to go back to movie theaters i never did i never got the chance they never reopened here so i don't know I that went once i went once nick to see tenant and i still haven't talked about it on the show because you haven't seen it so i wanted to be fair to you so in three years when you fucking see it maybe we'll do like a, a special episode it's to supposed talk about to be coming it. out on blu-ray in december so in december there you go maybe there it is then i'll have to rewatch it again but a special yeah, christmas mean- present for all of you efg fans <laughs> out there are finally we get 
actually get a chance to talk about Tenet. You know how many pod like I have like uh because it came out in Australia, so I have like the countdown, shake and not nerd. Like I have uh movie reviews in 20 Qs that came out in New Zealand as well. I have so many tenant reviews queued in my podcatcher that I just can't listen to because I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. Even though Liz listen. did tell me, she's like, the more you know about it going into it, probably the better off you're gonna be as opposed to going into it not knowing anything. But I'm a purist, you know uh, how I am. Eh, that's nonsense, I tell you. You um, know how I am. The funny thing is, though, um, we'll probably get the same amount of downloads from our listeners, Nick, in December reviewing it as we would now. Because guess what? A shitload of people still haven't had any opportunity to see it Very because true. theaters in their town ha- haven't opened. Or they said, you know what? I'm not going to chance going into a theater with people that are possibly infected just to see that movie. So I totally understand it. Um I can be going to a theater right now. Alamo is open. They are showing all kinds of stuff. I've just made the decision not to do that at this time. I almost I went and saw a movie shut up. Uh, uh, on the weekend with voice <laughs> house, but I, I just, you know, I'm not really super over the top excited to jump into a theater right now. Drive-ins are where I'm at if I can make it. And um, again, it's just not the same vibe. It's not the same feeling as we felt pre COVID. So maybe, Eventually, yeah. hopefully, you know, we have the passion. We all want it to get back there. We don't know if it ever will. A lot of people I think are- it will. I think it will someday. But I think I think a lot of the problem is, is you're 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 doing a, a half, if not less of an auditorium full of people and you're spreading out those show times and, you know, you've got to follow so many different safety protocols and everything when you're going into a theater to sit down to watch a movie. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just unfortunately not the same. It's, it, you know, it's just, it's just not the same. Yeah. You know? The feeling is not the same either. I don't feel the same feeling walking into the theater that I used to feel. So, I mean, it's going to be that way for a lot of people for a while. And I already know like a handful of people in the cinephile community that have basically just off the idea of, of going into a theater. And I totally understand it. And I respect yeah. it. I mean, shit's still all fucked up in the world I mean, right now. Not? Broom, Broom <laughs> County. Where, I mean, where you used to live, where I live now. It's spiking, like, bro. Broom it's County's spiking. spiking right now. Like we're, we're all of a sudden, even my own company, the company that I work for is, is, is seeing an increase in, in the number of, uh, the number of employees that are infected. We're stopping. We, we, we had stopped for a few months and then we resumed and now we're stopping again into any kind of indoor work unless it's absolutely mandatory you know like i mean it's just you know it's just one of those things where where broom county is spiking i had just gone with with my girlfriend i had gone down to dos rios downtown like a couple of weeks time ago going there you had, you, you had been there before. No, I'd been to Dos Rios before. Yeah, I yeah you told Dos me to Rios. go there. I remember. That's yeah, actually remember? why I went to Dos Rios is because I know I'd been there before and I really loved yeah. it. So uh, I thought it would be a really nice date spot. And it was. And well, we they got, got recently named, not to cut you off, but they recently got named Food Network named them like Best Burrito or some shit, right? Something like or, that. I can't remember who yeah. it was or what, what exactly the situation was. Because they have yeah. it on a billboard or something now. Yeah. And I was like, damn it. That happened after I went there. Well, the place, the, like the, the food is great. The food's absolutely fantastic. Their margaritas are a little on the sweet side for me. Like the simple syrup and the lime juice that they use is a little too sweetened for me uh, in, in this day and age. But, you know, I mean, they do amazing drinks. They do amazing food and everything like that. Like I said, I, I figured because, you know, we, we obviously had been out on a few dates and we're in a serious relationship now and everything. But. You know, when, when, you know, I wanted to take my girlfriend out on a proper date, uh, but we got to sit outside and we got to do all that kind of fun stuff and, and just kind of have the experience of it. But then literally, um, but it was before we were there. So it was before we were, before we had been there, but somebody got diagnosed with COVID 
you know, somebody, somebody that had been there like, like a week before or whatever. And then like somebody that had been at the colonial, which is right next door, you know, like that whole downtown area, you know? So it's like the county's asking for people to stay home. Like, you know, I mean, and I, all right, I'll bring it up. I don't want to, I know people got their opinions or whatever, but fuck, even Trump got it. You know, I mean, it's, see, I was, I was. I was tiptoeing around that subject and trying to be a little I mean, bit but, suave but about did, it. But he did. You know, you, it, let's ignore all the rest of it because nobody should be politicizing this virus, which is one of the worst things that happened with Corona from the get go. Even back when it first was the onset was, oh, you know, it, uh, politicizing this whole thing. The mask thing being politicized is so fuck stupid. Like, for real, like everything in this country has to be so hyper politicized. It has to be our side versus their side, no matter what it is. Everything. It's so ridiculous. But well, Nick, just wait till our Goodfellas discussion. Sweet, merciful Jesus. But uh, yeah, so, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we love you. We really, really appreciate you. That's kind of the bottom line of uh, of this whole thing. But we did mention we did mention earlier, and uh, it, it's important to note you know, even though we're not we're not a music show, but of course, music and movies are intimately, intimately paired. And how many movies have you gone to see, Justin, where you have heard some track from Van Halen, you know, somewhere in the soundtrack where it just it, it immediately pops. It immediately takes you back to all those just amazing times of spinning through album after album after album of, of of van halen music and of course we learned today as of recording day eddie van halen lost his battle with throat cancer fuck cancer by the way can we seriously 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 but my uh, first response nick when someone commented hashtag man. fuck cancer on my po- personal post on my facebook page i said that's why the epic film guys that's why we do it every single year every year to do what we can cancer the small people that we are in the world we will do what we can continuing to do what we can to help fight that disease and another note you know to piggyback off what you were saying how rare is it also nick that something like this happens where the music that we're going to be enjoying here together and celebrating is something that you and i both love together like equally like We've, we've talked about Van Halen on the, the, the podcast on numerous occasions. Usually it's in like pre-show where we're just bullshitting about Van Halen. Yep. Um, like this, for me, I know it hits you just as hard. Um, this this, this guy, fucking level. He's man. a god. He was a god. Dude. I mean, he was literally god, man. a god, a legend. Um, yeah, I don't no care one, if you like their music or not. I don't care if course. you like Van Halen's music or not. You cannot deny how influential Eddie Van Halen was in rock music and rock guitar fucking forget it dude forget it dude i'm sitting here thinking about every single favorite van halen solo in my head and i'm getting goosebumps up my back and van halen has always been my party band van halen broke through with their distinct guitar style and their sound because of eddie like that's literally the basis of what made that band so special i love david lee roth as well but i mean like you have to think about the guitar whoa, 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 was what whoa. made you no love for sammy no 
no love for the Red Rocker in there. Listen, listen, listen. Van Hagar's its own thing altogether. Man. I don't dislike we Van gotta Hagar. We got to into a debate before the debate now? I mean, come no, on. No, no, no. I don't mind Van Hagar at all. I'm not a hater <laughs> of it. But I just, I just, I'm a big fan of early Van Halen. But again, going back to it, you just, you get that certain feeling when you hear. Oh, yeah. That really early Van Any Halen stuff. Any of the stuff. albums, honestly, that they cut with Roth, leading all the way up to 1984, which was obviously one of the absolute just like most landmark albums that they ever did that had jump on it panama you know like i mean but you even think about going back to the original van halen you're talking about back in the late 70s like what is it open with it opens with eruption just dude, and it's up. just guitar eddie van and it's, halen dude, man for like it's almost a three minute track of just him starting up it's all noise basically and dude at the time you would never ever heard anything remotely close to that even in comparison to his biggest influence jimmy hendrix you still never heard anything it was so metal man it was so gnarly and again as i said pre-show man you didn't walk through that gateway in the early 80s without walking underneath eddie van halen's shoes that's true he literally stood above and beyond every single sound that was created through the 80s and beyond with rock hard rock, and even heavy metal music. I mean, dude, how many even speed or thrash metal bands aped all of his solos? Oh, for he sure. Is, I think for in our sure. generation, Nick, the most influential guitar player of Easily. all time. If not the most, absolutely one of the most of the past 40 years. You know, like you cannot, you absolutely cannot deny like how uh, you know amazingly influential he was and you know it, it you know uh, this is one one opportunity Justin always gets to share his stories on the show but this is one opportunity where I get to share a story I saw Van Halen live in 1998 I saw him I at Montage Mountain I can't believe it and it was with of all motherfucker Gary Sharon so this was during the period when they got rid of Hagar It was Hagar. 3 right it was Van Halen Van 3 Van Halen right? 3 yeah they had yep. fire in the hole on the Lethal Weapon 4 soundtrack <laughs> And, you know, uh, like I said, it was with Gary Sharon, but let me tell you, um, I saw him at Montage Mountain, and that was a hell of a show. Like, Gary Sharon still, like, he did a great job. He had good stage presence. He sang well enough for the Hagar and the Roth songs and all that. But the best part, the absolute best part of that show was the band went off the stage, and then Eddie came back on stage, and he just sat on stage, stood on stage, really, and he just soloed he just riffed he just fucking ripped that guitar for 10 straight fucking minutes just absolute like like still one of my most enduring memories just standing on the lawn at montage mountain with my friends around me getting baked out of their minds you know just listening to eddie van halen just absolutely fuck shred you know and i mean I, eddie was not he was he was very well known for not being the most you know, super nice person. Like sometimes he was definitely an asshole, you know, in ask, most interviews, almost ask Ross and Hagar, <laughs> you know, I mean, you get, you get lots of different, uh, you get lots of different stuff out of that. There is of course the eternal debate between any Van Halen fan, which was better Roth or Hagar or Hagar, of course, is when they became much more commercial, you know, and they became even more popular than they already were. They were already extremely popular in the early eighties up to the recently, the release, excuse me, of 1984, which was like, I'm pretty sure that released at number one. I'm pretty sure that came out at number one when it did. But, you know, Van Hagar went to another level. I'm 
I'm of that school where, like, I love all of it. I don't care because the music is so fucking good. It changes. It definitely changes as you get into the late 80s, the early 90s and everything. Like, remember, Justin, like, think about it. Like, 1992, was there a bigger fucking anthem for the world than right now? They that Pepsi commercial right now? Like, are you serious? Honestly, dude, that's one of the Van Hagar songs that I listen to. Whenever it pops Fucking up on the, gr- hell, the greatest hits album that I have, whenever it jumps up to that, you can't. I don't change it. I you don't can't. change it. I love that song, dude. And that was such a huge anthem. I mean, I was in fucking second grade or whatever, but I remember hearing that on the radio and loving it. And my story, in comparison to yours, sucks for once. So you have the one up on it. me. You fucking <laughs> asshole. Because I missed out on freely. seeing Van Halen with. David Lee Roth, as soon as I moved down here that first summer when I moved down to Virginia, they played Jiffy Lube Live, and their fucking Fucking prices were insane. They were very expensive tickets because it was, like I think, the first tour that Roth had done in many, many years with them. And um, Danielle, my wife, said, we can't afford that right now. I was like, dude, I don't care. I just want to be on the field. I just want to hear fucking Van Halen. And at the time... She hadn't gotten into Van Halen, and then, you know, the few years after that, I pounded it into her fucking brain like that, and now she understands. Now she likes Van Halen. Um, But at the time, I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll see him at some point. And I missed out. And there's no opportunity now ever to see. There will be no incarnation of Van Halen ever again that anyone will ever want to see without Eddie Van Halen. I mean, he is Van Halen, so... When they, I mean, when they got inducted to a, the you know the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Eddie wasn't even there. He didn't even take. Sammy was there, and I believe um, uh, Michael Anthony probably. My, I think it was Michael. Yeah, yeah. Came on stage. That's when I so, fell off with the band because you know they, uh, Michael Anthony was their bass player for all through the the Roth and the Hagar era, and even into the Sharon era, into the two thousands. And then somewhere along the way, they got rid of. And then you know Wolfgang Van Halen, who's you know Eddie's son became their bass player like became the when they toured like like wolfie was their bass player and whatnot and that was actually how i found out about it because i i saw the post that uh, that wolfie made uh, on uh on twitter and whatnot but yeah i mean like i said you, whether you like their music or not you know and and i mean ju- music is a huge part of both of our lives i mean obviously but you can't deny Eddie Van Halen's influence. You guys are going to hear, I'm going to pepper the music in all throughout this episode. Of course, definitely through this segment, you know, where you guys are just going to get like just the absolute fucking shreds, man. Like even, even up into the later stuff, like a lot of people like to criticize the Hagar stuff or even like some of the Sharon stuff is not bad. You know, it's not terrible. I mean, it's granted. It, it, I mean, sometimes it things what take is, some but, time to, 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 you know, sal- salivate in your mouth. But that guitar, suck like, on a little Eddie while. always was innovative on the guitar. Eddie was always a fucking, just a legend, absolute and, and complete legend on the guitar. So, I mean, I it breaks my heart that Justin never got to see him. Breaks my heart it's that what, I didn't get to see them more than once, especially not it's, with it's Gary It's the one Sharon, band, man. Yeah, it's the one band, I mean, especially that was on my list. Um, great stories that I have in my back. And of I my never head. see I never see music acts either. So immediately, I know, dies. which That'll is why it's crazy that I you have share. this story. <laughs> I don't think you've ever even told me this story, which is why it's 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 an eye opener for me because I mean, last time I, I 
saw a big show when I was hanging out with you is I went to go see Bon Jovi like two miles down the road from your house and you're like, I don't go to concerts. And to hear you say this and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh my God, you know, it's like, it's crazy. But you got to see one of the best guitar players that ever walked this fucking planet live. And that was, like I said, the, the, the two best parts of that show um, you know, uh, Alex also did it on drums. Alex got on stage and he ripped like a 10 minute drum solo just by himself. Like he was just on stage by himself, just drumming. And then like, yeah, like legitimately, like you can't, you, you, no matter what, no matter where you are in life, you will never forget being in a crowd when Eddie Van Halen gets on stage by himself and just fucking shreds on a guitar for like 10 straight minutes uninterrupted soloing off like his fucking ass off like i mean dude forget it just dude, it forget kills it me. man it kills me i'm I'm literally like so depressed thinking about this that's right what now people are showing especially the sharon era like i said i saw him when it was sharon so if you're turning up to a van halen concert you're not there for gary sharon. well i mean he was in the band for what like a not less only than a year album. right only that one yeah, album was like van let, halen 3, let, that was it yeah yeah, like I still remember the interview that Eddie gave. He was like, "Oh, people didn't like Sammy when Sammy came in, and people aren't gonna like Gary." And then <laughs> that album came out, and then Gary was gone because <laughs> he just didn't gel well enough. And then I I still remember they appeared at like what the MTV. It was like I think it was like in two thousand or whatever they appeared on the MTV Music Awards with David Lee Roth. You remember that shit where. Roth was like in the background doing all sorts of shit when whatever, whoever they presented to win whatever award and Roth was in the background. And then yeah, Eddie had I to remember. apologize for it and shit. <laughs> well, I remember like they had, they had to beg Roth to do it and no one wanted Roth to do it, but MTV was like, get Roth to be there. Oh, Cause they wanted and a then, reunion. They wanted it yeah. so bad. Yeah. And well, and it got ratings too. Like I remember oh, yeah. it did good numbers for MTV, but then like after the fact and all the heavy metal and the rock magazines, there was all this hoopla. This is back before the internet was what it is today. Ladies and gentlemen, yep. where like, you had to still read about this stuff in magazines and newspapers. Like that's how oh my God, we what? are. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, dude, seriously, a really difficult day, I think, for everybody. I mean, it's crazy to see the reaction I've seen on social media today from so many people that I didn't even expect to see feel this reaction from Eddie passing. Um, I think we all have been in that one bar that one night where someone puts shots in front of us and Unchained comes on or jumped in the you know, jump in the background. You really or, got me. Oh, yeah. And, and no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Like fucking hell, man. And, and you jump the fuck up out of your seat you and you get excited. Any like you can you can you can literally we could sit here and mount. We're not going to, but we could sit here and we could ad lib a dozen or two dozen different Eddie Van Halen guitar riffs. And you would immediately know you're listening to a Van Halen song. I mean, and that and what I told you pre-show, which is one of my favorite solos ever created. And I know you're not a big MJ fan, but I'm a yep. big Michael Jackson fan. And when you listen to the solo and beat it every single fucking time, dude, I've heard that solo a thousand times, yep. whether I'm at the fucking grocery store or the gas station, or I'm just in the car or I'm putting it on myself. Whenever I hear that, wow, when he opens that whammy bar, I immediately get goosebumps you know all over my Eddie. entire back. And it's the best shit I've ever heard, literally. So, I mean, we'll never be able to get away from it. He's one of the best. He'll always be one of the best. Legendary. And nothing today, man. Nothing today yeah. remotely comes close. No, not even close. So rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. And uh, again, fuck cancer, man. Fuck cancer. That's all we can say. So ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go ahead and we're going to roll into 
a quick little break here. And when we come back on the other side, we are going to talk about Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, which recently, last month, turned 30 years old. We're going to get into the nitty gritty and why I think it's a giant flaming bag of shit. And why you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, right baby. After, right after this. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to this episode of the Epic Film Guys podcast. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you like us, if you love the show, if you really, really want to give us some beautiful, amazing recognition that will really help us out, will really, really help us grow, head over to Apple Podcasts, if you're so kind, drop us a beautiful, wonderful, amazing five-star review. review. Two stars. Oh, sorry. Wow. Wow. How are, uh, Okay, so it's two stars for Loy Sauce. L- l- Loy and then sauce. that's it? Is that... I mean, if you listen to our back catalog, I'm sure you could find half a star for the lisp if you're not socially sensitive to pol- political correctness and all that nonsense. Wow. And you might even give a star for the Hopester, which was a character on this the show. Hopester's worth at least a star and a half. Come on. I just got and, done taking a massive <laughs> shit. Come on now. <laughs> I feel like Epic Film Frog was like a quarter of a quarter star because he didn't last that long. So, but you I know what? But what Epic know. Film Frog was able to do in the short time that he was with us was was extremely memorable. And I'm talking like this, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm searching through my soundboard to try to see if I have any. Uh, I've got so many sub soundboards that I can't fucking. I'm find sure a he's gone. Right I'm now. sure he, we tried to attempt to erase him from your memory because I've got he, them in here. Wait, I think I have one. Oh, I think this is Caleb attempting a kill, uh, an epic film frog. Hang on. Yeah, it's mm, Caleb. This is time. epic film frog, and I sucked a dick last night. That's, that's, it's Caleb from okay. Netflix and Smoke. Let's just see if he can be recreated. Hi, thank you for listening to the Epic Film Frog podcast. Wow. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I sucked a dick last night. Wow. No, and then I you never gotta follow approved right that. up with that. I never approved that to be played again. Wow. God fucking damn it after all these years son of a bitch speaking of after all these years that is a perfect segue it's something we don't do on the show really so much anymore but since we are both having a little bit of a drinking 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 and since it's episode 250 and we got to do something for you long-term listeners out there justin i've got to ask you right now what are you drinking i'm back puke and rally All right, well, it's not a pump king like I want it to be, and it's not a Schlafly pumpkin beer. The only way it's a pump 
king is if you have a glass of it in your hand and you're pumping your cock. Well, that's happened on numerous occasions on this show. But I, I, here's the weird thing, man. You tell me. You go to? Do you still shop at Wegmans up there, or is COVID too yeah, high yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah, okay. I was just there. I was just there a couple nights ago. Yeah. So, dude, up here they usually do around fall season. Like you could do, you pick six and grab a couple pumpkin beers. Our Wegmans is not doing that. I'm like, usually I'll grab the Schlafly. You don't have you I'll, pick six at all. They do, but there's no fall beers in there. There's no like Oktoberfest. There's no pumpkin oh. beers. So I'll, usually I'll grab the Saranac, the Schlafly. Sometimes they'll have like a pump king single in there and i'll be able to take but i've been saying it every week i go i'm like they don't have any pumpkin beers in there whatsoever um so once upon a time you remember on the show i drank that rum barrel aged pum king not pump king pum king because that's the name of the actual beer i'm pretty sure that was the john carpenter retrospective with uh wayne and paul from the countdown and that was like eight years ago because you i drank i made the mistake ladies and gentlemen of posting a photo of myself on social media at it at my friend's house for a giants game drinking a bud light and justin punished me by making me drink a pumpkin beer so i chose i was hoping that the rum barrel aged would do something that would make the pumpkin beer palatable It did not. Just tasting it in my mouth right now, thinking about it, makes me want to throw up. I mean, you see, you dug your own <laughs> grave on that. You must be kidding, aren't you? Because you you posted something like "fucks I give her zero. There's nothing else here" or something. It's, so you brought true. it on to yourself. It's true. Um, but what I'm drinking right now is what I've been drinking on this show for quite a long time. Though I did just make a slight purchase for some Trillium beer, the <gasps> Death Metal Triple IPA from our boy Powell, huge supporter of the he Epic will. Film Best podcast. It's the first time I bought beer, Nick, and like for my house since probably July, I think. Fuck, I couldn't um, tell you the last time I bought beer. <laughs> but I'm drinking right now Wegman's Lemon Lime Sparkling Water with, of course, Tito's. That's what I got. That's what I'm Guzzling talking down about. My fucking gullet this evening. Motherfucker, but I gotta ask you in old school fashion. Can I still do this? Is this still possible? I'm not sure I'm ready. What do you got guzzling down your gullet this evening? <laughs> Oh, my Lord. You know, I had some Tito's here uh, not too long ago, and I steeped it. As I do, I did some apple peel with some. I did some lime peel with some, and I did some cinnamon stick with some, and I I broke it down by flavors. I made some Moscow mules. I bought some copper glasses for one of my dates with with Rebecca, my my girlfriend, and uh, I did some Moscow mules, which was really, really nice uh, with the lime uh tito's but i don't have tito's tonight justin i'm drinking this is an obsession of mine that i've had lately okay and this was a a, so a girl that i dated before i met my girlfriend uh you know uh we had only gone on a a a few dates never manifested into anything serious but the first night i was at her house and then every time we went out after that we had something called justin peanut butter whiskey are you familiar with peanut butter whiskey? Uh, what's that mean? <laughs> oh, God. How is Beavis and Butthead ever going to work in woke culture? I don't know. I'm it's scared not, I don't, to find out. I don't out. think it's going to. I don't. But 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 peanut butter whiskey. I think you've mentioned this to me in passing or in private. I or, think I have. But um, 
Still it's, never tried it. So yeah, its popularity is huge. So this is Screwballs peanut butter whiskey. Now it has an ABV that's somewhere in the liqueur range. It's only about thirty five percent alcohol by volume. So it's not like you're drinking like straight straight liquor liquor. That said, you definitely get whiskey. If you're a fan of whiskey, which of course I am, and if you're a fan of peanut butter, there is, and it's not like liquid peanut butter because liquid peanut butter, of course, has the oil from the from the peanut butter and everything. But I mean, if you think about, if you've ever taken that kind of, and I know you have, Justin. I don't know if our listeners can think about this, but like I've put it in my smoothies, I've I've made it myself. But like if you take that powdered peanut butter and you kind of try to reconstitute it with a little bit of water to make it a little bit creamier or whatever. It kind of tastes like that kind of peanut butter where you definitely get a peanut butter-ish flavor into the whiskey. This shit is so, so fucking good. It's unbelievably good. It, like it, It's incredibly drinkable. Like I said, at only 35% alcohol by volume, it doesn't even come close to like what you would get from like an actual bourbon or anything like that. But it's it's very, very drinkable. It's got a nice peanut butter flavor to it. Just something that you can just sit back with and just have it neat. Hey, Nick, mm. does it have uh, what's that thing we like to say? Uh, mouthfeel? Wait, mouthfeel? Does it have one of those? I mean, the mouthfeel is peanut butter. The mouthfeel is butter. If you like peanut butter, if you're somebody who likes peanut butter, find this stuff, I promise you. There's other versions of it out on the market that I've seen that I have not tried. I can only vouch for how good the screwball is. This is about 28 bucks a bottle. And, I mean, really, you will probably finish more of it in a night than you intend to. This was full at the beginning of the night. God damn it. (laughs) I wish, I wish, Justin, that I had started drinking it way, way sooner into my viewing of Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, which, of course, is going to be our feature review for the evening. 30 years old. Uh, Why don't you take a little bit of time? Because I saw the email that you sent yourself. Uh, Take a little bit of time to tell our audience what a little bit of history some of the some of the some of the vital statistics about Martin Scorsese's goodfellas well nick as far back as i can remember i've always wanted to be a gangster released september 19th in 1990 it is an adaptation of the 1985 nonfiction book wise guy by nicholas Pileggi, who co-wrote the screenplay for the film with scorsese himself a continued reoccurring theme in Scorsese's career, which you'll see even beyond and after Goodfellas, analyzing and dissecting the criminal underworld, dealing with very basic yet sometimes intense moral dilemmas that happen every day within that deep, dark underground. This is a film that Roger Ebert named the best mom movie of all time before he passed away. The film was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture and Best Director, with Joe Pesci winning a Best Supporting Actor for his role in the film, widely considered his best performance in any film ever made, and Nick, one of my favorite movies of all time. It was later selected and added for film preservation in the National Film Registry by the United States Library of Congress. 
Its content and style has been emulated in numerous and other films and television series, but has yet to ever come to the level of quality and prestige that Nick will be soon to bash that is Goodfellas. So Justin had warned me about this film ages and ages ago because this is uh, something that Deb Kinney, good friend of the show, has wanted us to review for a very long time. A number of other people have always been like, Nick, how is Goodfellas such a blind spot? But then... Many of you long-term listeners will remember the absolute venom and vitriol I sprayed about one Live By Night, Ben Affleck's gangster film or whatever the fuck that monstrosity was that came out in like 2017, which was an abysmal disaster. And I will say, having seen Goodfellas, I can now see exactly where Affleck came up with the idea for that movie because they are essentially extremely similar they follow a mobster who's in a criminal organization through their rise and like their journey through their time with the organization and they narrate every mother fucking scene in the fucking movie and let me let me let me let me tell you this let me tell you this Outside of the narration, if you take the narration out of this movie, and this is one of the things that guts me the most about this, because as I watch this, as I watch these scenes, Pesci, best supporting actor, you better fucking believe he deserves that trophy. He's goddamn good in this movie. Okay, everybody, I might give you a handy after that. I might give you a handy after that Everybody okay. in this movie is so good. The performances are great. Scorsese's direction, some of the shots, like there's the really famous one shot of the of them going into the Coca- Copacabana. Through the restaurant. Like, there's yeah. so many mm-hmm. amazing, iconic things about this film that you just know about pop culturally when you come into this sort of thing. But then the film is ruined over and over and over and over again by Ray Liotta and Lorraine Bracco's characters coming in and narrating over the top of the fucking scene in useless, pointless, stupid fucking narration (laughs) where all they're doing, they're either A, giving you needless backstory that you don't fucking need, or B, they're describing what you're already fucking watching on the screen. This is a visual fucking medium. You don't need to read at me and tell me what I'm fucking watching. But I like I hated this fucking movie. I hated every everything about it with every fiber of my being. You didn't. You did not hate everything about it because you just cited. Okay, fine. Three specific things. So I will correct you for once and you can and you can agree with my correction. You did not hate everything. I loved if you hear the the narration of this movie. It's a masterpiece. I see there's so many people like Gerald. Why can you not? Gerald from Two Peas, one of his favorite movies of all time, like uh, Dean and Hendo from Movie Journey, one of their favorite fucking movies. They absolutely love this movie. So many people, you, Justin, absolutely adore this movie. One of your favorites of all time. If you take the narration out of the film, I understand it. With the narration, the narration is so fucking bad, it undercuts exactly like it it take it detracts from the movie for me. Every time it took me out of the movie, I was so fucking angry every time Ray Liotta wouldn't shut the fuck up. 
But I have this question to ask you before we get into the actual review of this movie. Yeah. Has there ever been, uh, number one, let's ask you this question, because who knows how long the Epic Film Guys podcast will last? Seriously, let's just be clear here. All right. What movie ruined narration for you? Do you remember what it was? When was the first time you watched a movie and said, I wish that there was no narration in this? That ruined it for me. Do you know? Do you have any idea off the top of your head? I mean, the most recent example that I can think of is the one that I already mentioned, which okay. was, uh, of course, Ben Affleck's Live by Night, which is, was a film that, I mean, literally, it it, it 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 didn't, it wasn't as egregious as in this film. So I, it, it, this film is still not Live by Night bad, because Live by Night was a film wherein Affleck would basically sit and read to the audience and tell them what happened in a scene that you don't get to see and then skip forward ahead in the film. This film, yeah. this the, the narration in this film is almost as bad wherein you literally have scenes where the characters are telling you what's happening on screen or things that if you're watching the action on screen, you could pick up from contextual clues from the performers or from the context of the scene, the way it's written or whatever else. There's one scene wherein Lorraine Bracco is like, oh, I was so excited. I was really excited. I really loved him and whatever. And you can see from her performance that obviously she's really excited and that she really loves him. So what the fuck is the point of the narration? There's no point to it it's it's a pointless. it's a creative decision though it's a again i feel like here's the thing that we need to get down to you just you just can't handle I it can't you're when right. a director decides to do it this was a decision and i looked into this deeply earlier i tried to find every single thing that i could in regards to scorsese's decision to do the narration for this movie originally he only wanted to do it in the beginning yeah, I don't think this was Scorsese. I think it was the gentleman that wrote the book, the Nicholas. Well, well no, well, no, he, well, well, he well, well, he determined based off the book because he wasn't going to do another mom movie ever again. And then when he was making another movie, he read Wise Guy, postponed making it, and then decided to really put all of his efforts into making what they decided to change the name of as Goodfellas. Is there ever a possibility? Because I feel like we've we've actually reviewed movies with narration and voiceover that you've been okay with voiceover is not the problem and that's and that's where in the distinction lies because this movie commits the cardinal sin of it's either a it's the narrator in most cases it's ray liotta's character giving us information instead of them showing us this information on the screen or b it's them narrating exactly what we're watching. Like I said, there's a, a, a Lorraine Bracco's character's uh, narration is especially egregious for this because there's numerous like uh, in the wedding in the film, like she goes to the wedding and she's narrating about how all the Italian guys have the same names. They're all Tony's or Frank's or whatever. Tony's or Polly's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're all married to people named Marie. Well, the characters like there's a scene in the background that's taking place like they're introducing these characters like all these wives are named Marie and they're all introducing themselves as I'm Marie, I'm Marie, I'm Marie, I'm Marie and they're they're narrating she's narrating that that's exactly what's happening while it's happening on screen it 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 it, it maddens me it drives me insane because there's literally why is that in there it actually to me and and, and I know that so many of you out there are going to disagree with this but for me yep, it you are takes the minority. away <laughs> it takes away from what the scene itself is trying to do if you just have those wives introducing themselves all as marie it completely conveys that idea that all these italian mobsters they all are very similar. They all have the same names. They're all the same kind of things and whatever. Like there's another scene. 
earlier in this film where Ray Liotta's character walks through the bar and he's introducing all of these different characters to you, telling you about all these different monsters. Who are these people? Who cares? Because you're never going to see most of them again. I do. I care completely unimportant. Like you don't know anything about them except for the five second description that you get in passing. The way that I I, the way that I read this and the way that I've always read this, because I will be completely clear. I'm like most Goodfellas fans where I've seen this movie probably mostly in passing. Uh, Maybe I'd say five solid times where I've actually sat and watched it start to finish, fully paying attention to it and dissecting it. The rest of it, like Scarface or The Godfather, we just sit there and it's on and we watch it because we love it so much because it's nostalgic for us or it's just one of our favorite movies. But for me, this was probably one of the first movies that I ever watched where it was mostly narrated for me. And I only tonight, because of you... Because of your Facebook posts, actually paid attention to how much narration is there, where before it just was like it was natural to what the movie was, because that's what Scorsese intended the movie to be, where it started to get annoying. Because you mentioned it, so you almost partially ruined Goodfellas for me. I can, Thank you, you want very me to play much. the rant sound drop again for no, you? I can. I no, can play no, no, it for you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> and I, I know you forgot about my warning. I, I, I remember telling you. Plenty. I didn't forget. I kind of kept it in the back of my head. I kind of I parked it back there. I was like, I know people you have definitely told me about it a number of times, but other people have also been like, dude, like because I've mentioned it as a blind spot. And they're like, dude, I know how you are with narration in films. You're not going to like it. You're definitely well, I mean, not going to yes. like it. It's a Scorsese thing. And he, I mean, he does it in Taxi Driver. He does it in Raging Bull. He does it in a, again in a casino after this. It's just known as one of his calling cards. And for me, as a big fan of his filmmaking, I know you haven't watched all of his films. I know I it's true based on this I have a piece lot of shit thing that you, blind spots. This thing you posted on Twitter that someone made me they tried to make me mad about. They're like, Did you see that he posted something about that taxi driver was better than drive, even though he's never seen it before? And I was like, Yeah, that's Nick for you. Please stop bothering me about stuff that you're trying to think no, is I believe, make me angry. I believe to be fair to me. Somebody had posted the question of whether or not one movie was better than Drive, and I said I couldn't imagine a scenario in which that movie couldn't be better than Drive because Drive is so bad. But the the, the problem is with Nick, and he'll delete this out, is that he watched Drive half-assedly. I'll leave it here. It's all in here. It's staying right here. Mm. We'll, we'll get to that. At Fuck so, you, we'll Nicholas Winding Refn. I will not comment on that, but (laughs) listen, once you get past the narration, this is what I wanted you to be able to do, because I feel like some people need to be able to do that. And I feel like you above all people should learn how to get past that. If there's something in the movie, which I know you enjoyed, obviously with how you opened this episode, too many, there's got to be a way to get past it. So let's just jump right in. Too many things. Now we have Robert De Niro, who's taking a backseat for the, the most part of the movie to Pesci and Liotta. Super understated. Like I was surprised how understated De Niro was in this, but also like his, his performance is great. His performance has, has a strength to it, but he's very understated because he, you're right. He's definitely playing a, 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 a second fiddle. I mean, Pesci is obviously chewing scenery. Pesci's in Pesci's. 
fucking good in this movie. Well, that's Joe why Pesci I thought he is incredible. Like, it, like I mean, I love him obviously from the Lethal Weapon movies. I fucking love him in those. And you know, well, this is the movie that gave him a name, really, man. I yeah. mean, this is the movie that gave him his Oscar nomination, and he won Best Supporting. He's for this movie. incredible. Now, tell me this though. Tell me this. Does he or does he not deserve that Oscar? One hundred percent. There you go. So for me, I love how this movie opens in New York it's in 1970. The marriage, it's for me. It's and I, and I want to move on from the narration because I will never be okay with it. It's it's the marriage for me. I, I have an English degree, ladies and gentlemen. I got an English degree. I got a writing degree. And my whole writing career has been drilled into me over and over. Show, don't tell. And that's important just on the page. That's something that you do just on the page, let alone in a visual medium. So whenever I see that kind of thing in a visual medium, especially now, there are films with voiceover where it's like a character doing an inner monologue. I know there's a recent example that I can't remember off the top of my head right now where that came up. Like there are different instances where in a voiceover or some kind of whatever I'm okay with, but when it's straight up narration, when it's straight up, instead of just showing us action on screen, you're describing it to us. Like you have a character basically reading it from a book or like reading it from a script at us. Like, Hey, this is what happened. Or, Hey, this is what being in this criminal organization was like, like, fuck you. I want to see it. Don't tell it to me. That's not what film is. This is not a book. It, I'm but not it, but it can be. But it but Nick, it can be what film is. Film not to can me. Be, and that's always gonna be, be a big thing for well, me. Well, film can be whatever the director decides that he wants or she wants Far it to be. Far be it for me. Like if this is Martin fucking Scorsese, who's a legend, who's a god in terms of directing. Like far you know be what? it for me to tell Scorsese he's wrong. Do you think but he's wrong? <laughs> No, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, number one. And I'm not saying you're wrong either. What I was, t- I, I took a long walk. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to make this extremely clear to you because if you've been listening to this show for long enough, you know how I deal with Nick's criticisms of this kind of thing. And I took a long walk. I started this movie 20 minutes in, right? I look on Facebook and I see Nick's comments, his constant dissection of the narration. I said, Danielle, babe, I need to take a fucking long walk. I took a wild walk. <laughs> I'm dead fucking serious. You could ask my wife this. And I was like, and I had to analyze. I'm like, listen, he just can't do narration. No, I can't. He can't handle it. Nope. But he's going to make me look at it. He's going to make me criticize it. And I can't handle it. So I need to take a breath away from it and look at Goodfellas the way that I did the first time I ever watched it, which I, I don't remember for... For the first time ever, Nick, you won't have to hear a long story there's, of me. There's, the first there's time no I watched story it. about how your grandma took VHS. you to the theater to see it. No, no, because I didn't see this in theaters. But here's the thing, though. On that walk, my wife was obviously questioning. So, wait, why are, you know, why are we doing this now? Why? And I was like, because Nick can't handle narration. Mm-mm. And then we got into this discussion of how we all find film in such a subjective way where it affects us in a different way and that we approach it from a personal Isn't that standpoint the of it. Well, and Isn't exactly. That and and, that, and that's exactly why I told your fucking ass like a year ago, there's like a shitload of narration in Goodfellas. Prepare for it. it and of course, way more than a year ago it was ages and ages ago, even before the Irishman, way before the Irishman even. I wanted to approach this thing as clean as possible. And I'm glad to hear you say some positive things about it. Other than the narration, because for me, what I like about the narration is I feel like I'm in Henry Hill's head. I feel like the entire time 
I'm watching it through his eyes, and I'm also experiencing the visual aspect of it. There's no musical score throughout this entire film. Zero. There's popular music injected into it, but there's no Which is regular great. score. Somebody there's mentioned a lot this of to different... me on Twitter, I think, about how great the soundtrack is. Fucking A, the soundtrack Dude, in this movie. It, it's so oh. different in the way that it's seen. It's almost a first-person view because of how many close-ups are in it as well. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to look at this movie in terms of within the context of when it was released. And even when it was released, Nick, it was not a box office juggernaut. The shit had $25 million budget. It only grossed $46.8 million what also, in the U.S. From, I, read, I read that this film, this film tested, like test audiences, hated it. But Scorsese fought for it, and Scorsese was like, no, this is the movie that we're releasing. And, of course, critics absolutely fell over themselves in love with this film. Of course they did. Yeah. And for the time, dude, it was something totally different. And especially for the gangster genre, and I think that that's something that we have to take into consideration here. Again, <laughs> Live by Night, I'm sure, dude... This is the movie that every single gangster movie that came after, including Scorsese's own movies like Casino, emulated. Well, that's um, that's the funny thing that you mentioned that too is like is watching this movie like I can see the influence like when I watched Live by Night like I didn't have that context of like what the fuck was Affleck thinking. Now I get it, but the and 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 this film, for as egregious as I think some of the narration is in this film, it doesn't even hold a candle to what Affleck does in Live by Night because there are entire like climactic sequences that Affleck just sits and reads to the audience instead of you as an audience member getting to watch them on the screen in in Live by Night. So I see, well, well, this I see is another that, thing like, the gangster genre like there's. Another movie that I know you're a fan of that I also absolutely fucking hate is Gangster Squad. I also see the kind of influence in that. And well, Nick, we, dude, honestly, the comparison <laughs> is null and fucking void. Gangster Squad's a cartoon. Goodfellas Compar is, yeah, based it is on, a cartoon compared to this. You're right. Yes. But, but yes, I love that. You know why I love that? Tell me why I love that. There's two things. Name them right now. Well, uh, number one is the gauze. I mean, yeah. And the other point blank, please? probably the violence. There it is. So I, you got me. Fine. Put, put the gauze and violence fine. in a movie. <laughs> we just got done talking about Drive. There it is. But um, like I said, I, but no, to move on, I want to move on from the yes, narration. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Like, this is, and, and, and Dan from Netflix and Swole said this absolutely perfectly when he was posting about the film, when I was posting about it over on Twitter, because I, I posted, I said, you know what? This is a great movie. This is a great movie. And then it derails itself, in my opinion. When it starts narrating, because the narration is almost always needless in the film, and I 100% stand by that. I do not think you need any of it in the film whatsoever. I don't agree with it whatsoever, but anything outside of the narration, like the just if you just take the sequences, like some of the different sequences, like the scene when 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 uh, Pesci kills Billy Bats, like that sequence in the fucking bar. Oh, yeah. You kill a made or, man. You kill a made man. Even though he's talking hell, shit about dude. you shining shoes. You don't kill a made man if you're not made. And that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. We'll, we'll get to that. Man. But I think I think, Nick, we need to start off, though, with our main character, who was a newcomer at the time, who literally fought for this this role. Yep. Riviata at the time, I think still to this day, and I, he likes to argue about it because he knows it's his best, but he likes to think he's done better. Ray Liotta's finest performance, 
producer Erwin Winkler did not want Ray for this role. Marty Scorsese campaigned for him so hard to play Henry. And Ray listened to the actual cassette tapes of the real life character, the real life person to prepare for the role. He saw producer Erwin Winkler at like a a party over at Cannes, went up to him and said, like, listen, I'm ready to do this. Marty saw my performance, you know, my my uh, audition. I want to do this. And then after he saw him do it, they agreed to him casting him for the role. And he's been known yep. for this role for the rest of his career. And what I was saying earlier on, I love how this movie opens straight up. New York City, 1970, with them trying to get rid of a body, pulling no punches, you don't know what this movie's going to be. Imagine being in the theater, and I always love this analogy. Imagine being in the theater, 1990, and you see the movie open, all the cool credits and everything, and they're riding in the car. They're like complaining about a sound in the back of the trunk. Yep. They open the trunk. Pesci just takes a fucking knife and stabs the dude in the fucking chest rapidly, like four or five times so, when he finds out he's still alive. So many fucking times. Like, a hundred fucking times almost. And then we're like, oh, that's what this movie is. And then, of course, it starts off with Henry as a kid. Well, that's not even that's running not, errands. Even even to further sell the violence of that scene, which I think is a perfect it's it's a perfect opening to a movie. And I love the opening of the movie because not only do you have Pesci where it's way more than four or five times, it's like 10, 12, 15 times. But then you have De Niro's character as Jimmy pulls out his revolver and empties the goddamn thing into him. All six fucking shots in him. Like, dude. This is already a dude that's clearly pretty fucked, but like, you do not need to like. Li- I mean, uh, they only shit, heard his last man. breaths, man. He's just like lightly tapping. I loved like, it. Yo. I yeah. lo- like the, I loved the opening of this movie. And then, as you were saying, with the backstory with him as a kid. Yeah, no, of course. And then and then we move along with that and we get what's kind of required for the storyline. We see where he started his humble beginnings, if you will. And then we get, you know the rules of the road basically where he first gets pinched. He's a young kid and you learned boy. I thought I was going to get in trouble. No, you never rat on your friends and you never talk. Yeah. And that's his first entry, his first introduction into being a wise guy. And then we jump on much further into his gangster career. And we see what this world is like. And I think, Nick, for me especially, what makes this movie so special is that Scorsese's seen this world. Pesci's seen this world. De Niro's seen this world. The the content that they're adapting, it's real. So they all know what this is kind of like. They've yep. all been in one situation or the other where like they've been somewhere where they've known these wise guys. It's so special and so different that... When you compare Goodfellas to what came before it, which, in my opinion, is almost null and void minus the Godfather movies. Um, which is completely different in, in terms of like the this way is you just view like, it. This is just like, Nick, you and I hanging out at the bar. You and I hanging out at the Italian restaurant. You and I hanging out playing cards in the back room at a speakeasy with these dudes and seeing what life was really like. And they're playing it exactly to a T what it was like, how these guys acted. 
Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of realism, and I and I was reading about that after I watched the film as well. There's a lot of realism in terms of you know the research that they did, especially De Niro, um, but uh, you know all the people that were involved, all the all the actors in the cast, like trying to make sure that they get their characters down pat. Like De Niro at one point even wanted to know how Jimmy would actually put fries, like ketchup, ketchup on fries, ketchup on it. Yeah, he, what, does he twist it? Does he tap it yeah. on the end? Like I mean, you know? really, like that's the, I mean, of course, that's the commitment of a Robert De Niro to a role, you know. I mean, there's a lot of those kind of different things that I read about this movie, which me, which gave me a greater appreciation and a greater understanding of it. And it, it's all there, and like all those ba- all those all those bones that you talk about are there. The backbone of this is there, and the backbone of pretty much every gangster movie, the the formula for which every gangster movie for the next thirty years would be made is in this film. The DNA of all of those films is in Goodfellas, you know? So I, I definitely see that. And I definitely respect that in terms of that. And like, there's, there's sequences like the one shot into the Copacabana, which is great. The performances in this film, every performance in this film is outstanding. Okay. So there's not one performance that you don't don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, I I mean, like literally, okay. Like if you want me to be like realistic, like super real about it, like you've got your Lorraine Bracco and your Ray Liotta, they're a little bit more raw than a De Niro, but De Niro is more seasoned at this point. De Niro has been around a lot longer than De Niro. Niro, Again, as I said in the opening of this, De Niro is taking a backseat and he's, he's really being a little bit more nuanced. Yeah, more background here, and I think he knows his place, which is a good thing for a De Niro at this point. Which is great because, you know, maybe someday, Jared, maybe someday I'll get Nick to talk about Casino. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, where he takes the forefront, but I mean, here it's it's crazy <laughs> to see a movie of this time period. I mean, we'll make it clear. When this movie was made, De Niro was not exactly popping off hits or anything like oh, that. Yeah. But when it came to a chance with working with Marty again, and once he agreed to the project, he put full forth every single bit of effort You've he had. You've got De Niro reteaming with Scorsese in a gangster movie. I mean, of course, And De Niro- reteaming with Pesci after they yep. did Raging Bull like De Niro almost was a in, decade before. De Niro was in Godfather 2. You know, I mean, like, I mean, seriously, like, I mean, this was something that was like an easy sell to audiences and an easy sell, especially to critics and to the Academy and whatnot during the Academy Awards. So I think the one scene that sticks out in everybody's mind is the whole Tommy, you're funny guy. Yeah, I want I, I mean, I'm I'm not sure if you watch clips of this, Nick, before ever i know like i said i know watched it this this is one of those kind of pop culture things where there are certain things in pop culture that transcend this movie and that's one i'm pretty sure they spoofed it in the the simpsons right i'm pretty positive i'm sure they probably have but that's that's one of those scenes where yeah they've definitely i've definitely seen the scene before you know before way before getting to it in in this film yeah i mean for me at least the I amuse you. I'm here to make you laugh. I amuse you. You motherfucker. You stuttering prick. Yeah. I mean, for me, at least like Pesci's so fucking good. No matter how many times, Nick, I watch this scene every single time. The amount of menace that builds up in his face and his eyes. He's still terrifying, even though I know the end result where he's like. It was all improv. And where it came from is he actually experienced this. It happened to him where in real life, a wise guy 
did the whole thing to him where, oh, I'm a clown to you. I'm funny. Where yeah. he said a remark to somebody. Um, but when you watch it in the movie and he's doing it to Henry, no matter how many times I've watched this movie, it still feels like Tommy's character is so fucking threatening to him. And he's when you look at him, dude, he's so little. Yeah. He's so small. He's not. But you're so frightened of him. Like, I Which just, goes I, back to that opening scene where you literally like there's a corpse that's barely. OK, the guy in the car, the you know, Billy Bats is barely Billy alive Bats, in the yeah. trunk of the car. But, you know, he's barely alive. But Pesci goes to work on the motherfucker. He literally stabs him at least a dozen times. Like he is like fucking going ape shit with that butcher knife, like stabbing, 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 stabbing. So, you know, like it sets contextually, like, it gives you. And, and, and again, that's one of the great things about this movie is it gives you that contextuality for this character literally the whole rest of the movie is like you don't know what the fuck tommy's gonna do in any situation through this whole movie and then scenes like this like oh you think i'm funny like that shit resonates through the whole film because it builds on that opening scene it is it's scorsese at scorsese's best doing the masterful things that scorsese does man building that tension you don't know where he's gonna go so when and you see him in later in, in in later scenes in the film, like the scene when he shoots the bartender in the foot, and then like uh, he just gets spider. so pissed, he just gets so pissed off that they're ribbing him about it or whatever. He just pulls out his gun and fucking blows the kid away. You know, I mean, well, like, I mean that, that that that's the scene in the movie. Seriously, where Nick Warner Brothers actually told Scorsese to remove that fucking scene from the film. When they screened it for the first time, the final cut, they said, remove it. And Marty said, no, I'm not doing it. Because when you watch this movie from the beginning until that point, you're like, okay, these dudes are knocking off bad dudes, whatever. But they're they're like chill dudes. They're like cool dudes you might want to hang out at the bar with. When you get to that point. That's when it turns. Tommy shoots Spider for no reason. He's just like, oh, what? And Spider's like, oh, I thought I heard you say you didn't want me to bring you a drink. And he's like, no, fucking bring me a drink. Are you fucking stupid? And then he shoots him in the foot. And then like a scene or two later, you're like, oh, Spider's fine. He's all wrapped up or whatever. And this is played by Michael Imperiali from The Sopranos, who plays Chris. A lot uh, of Sopranos unless- alums. I mean, Lorraine Bracco and all. I mean, it, it, any number of, of of different you know characters. I've never watched The Sopranos, but I mean, of course, it's one of the best. It's one of the best shows yeah. of all time, and I'll I'll still hope my good friend Nicholas Haskins watches it at some point because my wife and I just watched it for the first time uh, last winter, and it's one of my favorite shows of all time i saw and it uh, i saw it tangentially the ex-wife watched it a i lot. know i know, I know she we, watched we, it the whole thing but we, i didn't talk- pay much attention hey yeah uh, hey we've talked about that before eh? but yeah, i mean you, you watch know. it i mean you're literally like two-thirds of the cast of this movie is also the cast of the sopranos i mean basically well, of course well of course <laughs> they're, they're gonna reuse you everybody but- all the italian american actors you can get so you're going with those you've that, got. Uh, that can be menacing in, in certain exactly. situations. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like, that's the scene where you know that shit's hitting the fan and like, oh, wow, okay. They're not fucking around. I mean, especially that the killing of Billy Bats for me is one of my favorite scenes because easily. I mean, dude, he's played by Frank Vincent, who goes on to Casino, you know, Scorsese's next big gangster film, who plays like. Uh, he basically plays uh, Pesci's right-hand man in that movie. In this movie, he's from the Gambino crew. He's a made man. You shouldn't have fucked with him. He's fucking with him about shining shoes, and then, of course, he can't handle it. 
He can't. He can't do without it. So as soon as the bar yeah, closes, he's, uh, uh, Pesci's character Tommy's so fucking unhinged, and that's what's great about Tommy is 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 you don't. There's that unpredictability to his character when whenever he's in a scene, you don't know how he's going to react, and that's kind of the genius of Pesci's performance and of Scorsese's direction of the writing and the script. And one of the things I learned about this film as well when I was reading about it is you know a lot of the dialogue in this film. It wasn't even scripted. It was it was ad libbed. Like they all ad libbed. Scorsese would just let him go and just let him do whatever. And like he would cherry pick. Like if there was stuff that worked, and he would add it into the shooting drafts or whatever at different points. But there were a lot of different points when Scorsese just let these guys just go and just do they thing. How how amazing is that, Nick? Where they would listen to the original tapes from the actual people because this is based on a true story. And Tommy apparently is, aside from his build, aside from you know Pesci is diminutive, obviously Pesci's, which makes him even scarier to be honest. But like apparently the real life Tommy was way way bigger and more imposing. That's what I heard. I tried to look for actual pictures of him, but apparently none of them exist on Google that yeah. I can find. Fucking hell! But um, but I mean, this is the performance that. When we reviewed The Irishman last fall, and and thank you all to our listeners for actually making that episode one of our biggest episodes of 2019. Thank you. Thank you. Because you guys all loved that episode so much and got great download you numbers. You guys are beautiful. You really are. Loisa, whatever, all the things that Loisa says about you, completely not true. Well, Loisa loves all of you, but he just wants you to forget <laughs> about that he had a great goatee and beard. Uh, he just wants you to think that he's been bare-faced never, forever. We will never ever ever forget i mean dude he's got a big old bush on his balls i don't know why he doesn't want the same (laughs) size bush on his face but no going back to that seriously because when we reviewed that i got to see that in theaters and you watched it and you actually really liked the irishman for what it was you did not i did like it for what it was yep um as much as you're attempting to shit on this even though i know you I know Nate really liked Goodfellas. He's just pretending. He's pretending. But um, I have never. I will say this, and and, and we'll segue. We're, we're, Justin's got a lot more to say about this. I know, but we'll 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 get into our final thoughts as we move down the pipe here. But you know, there has never been a film that I have watched that has actively, and I mean so actively, worked to make me specifically, not necessarily an audience in general, but me specifically as an audience member hate it as much as goodfellas because everything outside of the scenes that are narrated is so fucking good masterfully directed masterfully acted by an incredible cast like it's it's literally top to bottom it's stacked with a great cast great crew great director everything is in place every little single piece and then you have ray liotta reading shit at you it 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 kills me every fucking time it immediately it it knocked so many points off of my score for this film justin so many fucking points that mean this is that ultimately in the end in the end but nick but nick it's a recommend it's a recommend only for how iconic it is and for the fact that you know it, it does have some greatness to it it really does have some absolute genius to it but fuck me sideways i do not need a character to read at me and tell me what happens when you could have just showed me instead or or you already showed me but you just had a character narrating over it instead because i understand your viewpoint because i know you 
My Elsa professors, no. I would have failed those. I'd have failed those classes. I'd have failed those papers. I'd have gotten. I would have failed. I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't Nick, have passed college. Nick, I'd have failed on the fucking though, college, man. Seriously though, I feel like maybe if you had more time with this movie, maybe a few more times, because this is your first time. I know where you're coming from, and I understand it. I'm gonna be soft before I shove my large cock <laughs> up your ass and jizz in it. <laughs> Seriously, with my Goodfellas knowledge, that's the way that I have to view this. Because seriously, dude, that's a lot of cum. There we go. I'm not. I'm not shocked at this. I got slightly mad. I had to take a walk earlier. I really did. That really happened. But I understand your viewpoint. That's just something that you, as a film lover, someone that loves literature, especially, cannot. And, get and, and as a writer, and as a writer, I understand your viewpoint on this. You don't like it, but for me. It's a visual context that fits into the movie that doesn't bother me nearly as much because I'm in his head. I'm in their head the entire time. And that's what this movie portrays to me, at least. Um, I'm just sitting there seeing it through their eyes. And yes, they could have done it with camera tricks. We didn't need the narration. But they could have done it, it with pure performance. The performances in this film are outstanding, I know, but, and they convey But, but, but it everything. was a creative decision, Nick. It was a decision they made, and I feel like when you come into a movie, like I said, this is me. This is me telling legendary film director, Oscar winner Martin Scorsese. I'm sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> but you're not. But you're not really telling him that. What you're really saying, I am Nick? Me as a person. You're not. I am. You're not really. I know what you're really saying. No, you're really saying is like I didn't like these things about your movie, but the rest of it, I the rest really, of it, I really adore. liked. It's a great, exactly a great, great. This is. I mean, do we have easily four and a half, or as we would rate it on the show, nine out of ten? This is easily nine out of ten for me without the narration. With so, the so narration. Just, with the narration, this don't even dare, don't this, even dare. This barely, and I mean, not barely, even. barely fucks its way over the passing line. Oh, barely, like you oh, had to spit, you. you had to spit on the boner and rub it to get a little spurt out of it to get it over the fucking finish line to get this shit to a sixty. I so recommend that you see it because I think it has enough. The performances, like again, the camera work, Scorsese's a. Scorsese, whatever the Scorsese, attention to detail, baby. the attention to detail in this film is out of this world. Fantastic. I just think honest to God, I think if you take the narration out of this film, this is a nine out of 10. This would have blown me the fuck away without any of the narration. The narration is completely unnecessary. It's completely ancillary and it's completely the fuck pointless. And for me, it's a 10 out of 10. It's a masterpiece. It's wow. one of the best films ever made in the top 100 best films ever created. Wow. Put on this planet. Yeah. Don't, don't say wow. wow. You're not surprised. I, no, I'm not I'm, surprised. I, I, I'm, not surprised. I'm, the, I'm the majority here. Listen here. Listen, I, I got yelled at by Jared Taylor for me defending this over Casino, um, which I love as well. I just love Thank this Thank you, Drew Hallam, for being on my side with this uh drew hallam i usually agree hashtag with you. moonshine for drew we love you drew Still what i would though. love more than anything here I'll, I'll just be clear on this what i would love more than anything what i really want out of this whole podcasting journey nick more than anything in the entire world you me paul wayne jared taylor how drew hallam 
You name every single podcast we've ever crossed over with. Emily. God, do we our best love friend, Emily. All of them in one fucking room outside of D.C. I'll create the party. I'll organize it. I'll buck the room. All of us in one room. All right, but I get to cook. But we're partying. You can you can make whatever you want. I can cook I and just, party, motherfucker. I want all of us together in one room. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Epic Film Guys has been around for almost six years I now at this dick point. last night. Emily. Wow. We just want to have a great get together with all you guys in person and be able to see all of you face to face. Fuck yeah. Fuck and enjoy COVID, you and man. love you for how amazing you are and your support and appreciating what we've been doing and supporting your Fuck brands yes. and your podcasts. And just seriously, that's really Nick what I want out of this whole thing. If I could have anything, it would be that obviously COVID's a thing. So that can't happen now. But if I could have anything when that dies, every single one of you plus more. Super Movie Dave, Super Movie Jay, Justin, yeah, West Coast Justin, you too, everybody, seriously, every single person. Well, Justin, I mean, I really, six out of ten for me, a bear, a, a scale like 58.5. As always, maybe. you are wrong. As wow. always, I am right. You are wrong. Wow. I will walk out. With that cape over my shoulders, I'll be flapping that shit like I'm a champion. I got the belt around my fucking waist like I'm triple fucking H. Wow. That's a lot of yeah. Now you're blowing that load everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, I'm the Hulk to your ultimate warrior. You'll never be what you wanted to now be. Listen, you don't like the ultimate warrior. You're not allowed to reference the ultimate warrior in this podcast or any other podcast as far as podcasts go in perpetuity throughout the universe. I'm sorry. Continue. Okay. See, so see, you're, see, you're there. You're, you're then Brutus, the barber beefcake, and I'm the Brett, the Hitman heart. Is that better? That's much. Listen, I know how much you love the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. So yeah, I get it. Nick's just, Desperately missing our wrestling I miss talk. It, that we man. Would- guys, come on. The wrestling pre-roll talk. You guys, you guys know you miss the wrestling talk. Don't even fucking deny it, man. Don't even deny it. I don't have I any, actually a clue. Legitimately any fucking clue what's going on in wrestling nowadays, but those days I know. We both don't, and all I really want to do on Halloween night is put Nick in a sharpshooter, like a real one, so hard that he's screaming. Listen, you could put me in the fucking sharpshooter, but then I'd reverse that shit, and the bell would ring early, and I'd fucking walk out with the championship. I don't care if I screwed you over. Binghamton screw job, reminiscent of the Montreal screw job, I would still win. <laughs> Ring that bell, motherfucker. Ring that bell, baby. So, so glad, though. So glad we got the opportunity to do this tonight and actually talk about one of the best movies ever made, Martin Scorsese's wow. Goodfellas. Nick, you agree with me, though. Wow. He he does agree that it's one of the best movies ever made. He just wishes there was no voiceover. Wow. There's no narration. I agree. If no other movies had ever been made outside of the Scorsese movies Boo. I've seen, then Boo. maybe I would agree this would be one of the best five, and it'd probably be a dismal fifth place behind literally anything else that I've seen from Scorsese, which unfortunately omits 
a majority of his early catalog. Like I've seen, of course, The Departed. I've seen Shutter Island. Like, you know, films that I love, like Shutter Island is unbelievably brilliant. Like incredible film. People do not give that film enough credit. That film, Nick, by I, the way, by dude, the way, light years past what Goodfellas made. Dude, I have do. the Shutter Island 4K Ultra HD with Dolby Vision don't, on its way to me next week. No. I'm serious. It's pre-ordered, don't bro. It's dare. it's coming. It's coming. Now you know that we both saw that in theaters at separate times because we, we were friends when that came 4K out. Four K sound drop on the soundboard yet. Oh, well. This is uh, listen, listen. The closest, the, the closest we've got. It, he said that he sucked the blood from the penis and put the balls in his mouth. That's the closest we've got. <laughs> we've got closest to four K. Sure, but seriously though, I mean, like. I've listened to you talk about the movie with me. You like Goodfellas. I love Goodfellas. Ooh. It's a recommendation from both Epic I Film guys. But what we're taking away, Goodfellas, <laughs> you fucker. We're both taking away from this episode that we just <laughs> love you guys listening <laughs> to us. We just want you to continue listening oh. to what we're talking about, Colby. Thank you, Colby always in there when he needs to be especially in horror season man his howl is actually better than lon cheney jr's wolfman howl oh, he kills it man seriously shit, man. a wolfman by nature but seriously guys thank you so much for listening thank you thanks so much for sticking with us and and thanks for listening to nick um you know we know that he likes to bullshit Excuse me. about narration how dare you thank you paul paul please come in here Stab him in the side. Tell him how he's wrong. All right, and fine. Agree okay, with me. ladies and gentlemen. As a, as a quick follow up to this, ladies and gentlemen, from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews, Paul Perzula. I sucked a dick last night. I wow. I. That's what he has to say in your defense, Justin. So I mean, I. I, I mean, when when Paul finally comes to America, that will be mine that he has. But until then, um, for real, guys, this was one of the best times I've had in a long time talking to Shit. my boy Nick about a classic movie. Loisus is not here. He's at home. No. You know what he's washing? Who washing his tights? I'd play the sound drop of Justin talking about it, but it's like 10 seconds long, guys. It is very long. You're not my dad. There we go. We can just play that one. We'll continue to be providing you with content. We love giving you guys content. Nick wants to talk about food, and I want to talk about horror. So just see what we're going to give you guys. Forget about it. The brand will be there. The epic film, guys, as you know, will never go away. Never. But it may be slightly different. It may be... I mean, things are changing in the world right now, so... We're talking about different ways to give you guys what you want to hear, and uh, we're always going to give you something. Always. So don't fret. Don't fret. You'll get something out of it, and occasionally, um, I'm pretty sure Nick will be lining up to talk about the 20th anniversary of Home Alone 2. I'm so happy I have you as my best friend. I can't. And that one time that Tommy was so uh, sucked, boy, so- I'm getting too deep into this. I shouldn't be saying that. Listen, we know this has been well-documented epic film guys fact. This goes back to like 2017 at the earliest. I forgot already. See, see, that's how old we're getting. How Loisos dare I? was chained to a radiator and 
Greg's is Sarah's basement, sucking off time and Bazo. Like all of a sudden, like listen, all of a sudden Loy Sauce is like script doctoring and like talking to Greg Cicero all the time, like trading messages. It's because Greg Cicero cannot get enough of that sweet, delicious, tangy la 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 Loy Sauce. Don't even pretend it's not anything else. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we do appreciate you listening. We do appreciate you turning in, tuning in, not turning in. Uh, to the Epic Film Guys podcast. We love you. Again, as Justin said, we are going to bring you content. Whatever that content ends up being, things are changing for the Epic Film Guys. Things are evolving for the Epic Film Guys, but we are still going to be here to deliver you content that your ear holds. We're going to absolutely la 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 love like our la 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 loy sauce. You're not my dad. Okay, then. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, for myself, for our absolutely beautiful, amazing... That's a lot of cum. Thank you. Uh, got a podcasting loy sauce for Justin, for myself. Thank you so, so much, everybody out there, for listening. Until next time. We will see you. <laughs> Sometimes your bag needs something to keep you cool. I know sometimes your bag needs something to keep you cool. Better look out now, though. Dave's got something for you. Tell you what it is. I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by. Oh, my, my. I'm your ice cream man. Stop me when I'm passing by. See, now all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy Hold on a second, baby I gotta put my banana in Dixie cups All flavors and push-ups, too I'm your ice cream man, baby Stop me when I'm passing by See, now all my flavors are guaranteed to satisfy Hold on one more Well, I'm usually passing by just about 11 o'clock <laughs> I never stop, I'm usually passing by around 11 o'clock and 
mind if you let me cool you one time You be my regular style All right, boys I got one nine vanilla Dixie cups Old flavors and push up to Under ice cream man Stop me when I'm fancified See now all my flavors Can't be satisfied Yes I'm your ice cream man Stop me when I'm passing by I'm your ice cream man Oh, <laughs> 